and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people. And they ate. You see, with his livelihood, he crushed it all. He killed the ox, he boiled them, and he boiled them using the wood from the things that he was plowing with. See, because you know what happens when God calls you? You go, but then after a little while, what do you want to do? You want to go back, right? When God called Elisha, he made it very clear that he was ready to follow, come what may burned up his livelihood and destroyed any chance at a plan B. The challenge that Pastor Daniel is going to give you in today's message is exactly this. Let go of your plan B. Give everything you have to following God and destroy any chance of turning away. Then watch as God uses your life in extraordinary ways in the world around you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Kings chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Double Portion. This whole first section of this chapter shows Elijah and his young student, Elisha. It's beautiful. Look what it says. It's the time that the Lord is going to take up Elijah in the whirlwind in verse 1, Right? that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, right? So we have this traveling here. And Elijah says, stay here, please. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. So he's going from Gilgal to Bethel, about seven miles or so. And if you're looking on a map, if you look at the Dead Sea, which is kind of in the center of modern-day Israel, this is on the, the northern shores of the Dead Sea, right? And a little bit to the west, all these cities are all in like a little bit of a line there. So the northern shore of the Dead Sea, the Sea of Salt, right? And he says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord wants me to go to Bethel. But Elisha isn't going anywhere. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. See, Elijah, in some way, he knows it's time for him to go home to be with the Lord. And as we read through this, everywhere they went, right, there's these schools of the prophets. These are discipleship schools, Right? And they all have the same word, that Elijah is going to be taken up by the Lord today. Did you know that your master is going to be taken away? I know. Just shh. There was the unity of the spirit. People knew what was happening. But notice, Elijah is not going to leave Elijah's side. He wants to milk every last piece of information. He wants to impart all that the Lord wants to do in the life of Elijah. He didn't want to leave his side. Now, this is so different than our culture, isn't it? Because our culture is, I want what I want, and then I'm out of here, right? But this relationship is so tight, so beautiful, that Elijah's like, no, no, I'm going to be with you to the last moment. I want, I want all that you have for me. Because God used the prophet Elijah in a mighty way. If you read 1 Kings, Elijah's almost through the entire book, and we see Elijah coming up against the greatest of evil. And Elijah's standing there in the gap. The king Ahab and his wife Jezebel were the most evil of the kings. And Elijah is speaking truth to power in 
very precarious times. But Elisha wants all that Elijah could give him. Now, I want you to keep your finger here in 2 Kings chapter 2. I want you just to turn back a few pages to 1 Kings 19. I want to read to you verses 16 to 21 because it shows the calling of Elisha by Elijah. Now, if you were to go forward, God's revealing himself to Elijah. And he reveals himself in a still small voice. And one of the revelations that God gives the prophet Elijah is that he needs to anoint Elisha, the son of Saphat, of Abel-Meholah, as a prophet in his place. And I got all that from 1 Kings 19, verse 16. Look at what it says. It says, Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Saphat, of Abel Meholah, and you shall anoint the prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th. Then Elisha passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother. And then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elisha and became his servant. Now, God gives Elijah, the prophet, a revelation that Elisha is going to be the next prophet in his place. And so what does Elijah do? He goes and he finds Elisha. And he sees him, and Elisha is there. He's driving 12 yoke of oxen. Now, at the very least, Elisha was a wealthy man. Or his family was wealthy because 12 yoke of oxen, so there'd be two per yoke, 24 oxen. It's not like he's driving like a little thing. He's got like a big rig, right? And so all of a sudden, Elijah shows up and throws his mantle on him. Now, the mantle was like a prophet's cloak. Some would be maybe sheepskin or a special kind of a material. And it was kind of a sign that God's covering and anointing was on a prophet. So imagine this. You're Elisha. You're driving your 12 yoke. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up and throws his mantle, his cloak on you. Whoa. Right? And all of a sudden, Elijah just keeps rolling. He's just like throws it on him and rolls. And we find that Elisha runs after him and says, Hey, let me say goodbye to my family. See, Elisha knows what's going on here. He just received the covering of Elisha, right? And he's like, let me go say goodbye to my family, and then I'm going to follow you. And really, Elijah's response is beautiful because he says to him, in effect, go back again. For what have I done to you? He's saying, look, I didn't do this. God did this. Go take care of your business. And it would seem that Elijah went. He says goodbye to his family and I love verse 21. I think this is important because when God called Elisha, he went all in. Notice what it says. He took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people. And they ate. You see what he did? His livelihood, he crushed it all. 
He killed the ox, he boiled them, and he boiled them using the wood from the things that he was plowing with. See, because you know what happens when God calls you? You go, but then after a little while, what do you want to do? You want to go back, right? And he burned the boats, so to speak. You hear those stories about those missionaries or people who traveled to explore new lands, right? They land, and when they land, they burn the boats. Like, we're staying here forever. We can't get out now. That's what Elisha does. I wonder how many of you right now God has called you and you've responded, but you still got the boats intact. You know what I've learned? When you keep the boat intact, you'll always go back. Because following the Lord is not always easy. There's challenges. and There's issues sometimes. But Elisha goes all the way in. He goes all the way in and he gives the food away and then he follows the prophet Elijah. Brothers and sisters, be disciple. Be disciple. Allow people to invest in your lives because when you do, you will grow. And when you grow, you will become the person that God created you to be. But if you find yourself right now kind of being a little detached, don't have investment from outside godly influences, I believe you're feeling that tension too. Because when you don't have somebody who loves Jesus, who's been in this longer than you, you're apt to allow yourself to get away with the things you're apt to let yourself get away with. And you need someone to say, that's not the heart of the Lord. That's not what God has for you. And oftentimes what we do in the midst of that is every situation that's challenging, we cut bait and run rather than grow. But when you allow people to invest in your life, they'll tell you, you're just running from the growth that God's trying to give you. You're running from the answers to the prayers that you've been asking. This situation exists to grow you up, to make you more like Jesus, but left up to your own devices, you don't really want to be shaped. You just, like, we, who likes to be refined in the fire of God's work? Can we be honest about that? Isn't that hard? When the refiner, because you know the story about the refiner. I've never refined precious metals, but I've read about it, right? And what the refiner does, he turns up the heat so that metal becomes liquid. And when he does that, he turns up just the right heat so all the impurities come to the surface, which is the part of the process. We don't like the heat, and we don't like seeing the impurities, right? But he does that not just to make us all squishy, and uncomfortable, and not just so we see the impurities, but so that he can come and scrape the impurities off so that we become as pure gold and pure silver. But in the midst of discipleship, that's where this happens. And for many of us, it's kind of the last thing we want. But God, as we always say, God accepts us just as we are. He loves us too much to keep us this way. So God's work in our life is a refining work. If we'll allow it, if we'll allow it. So they go to all these different places, Gilgal, Bethel. They go to Jericho, and now he's going to the Jordan River. And everywhere they go, do you know what's happening? And everybody knows what's going on. In the spirit, they understood what was happening. Now, in verse 7, look at what it says. At the end of verse 6, it says, so the two of them went on. So they're at the Jordan River now. And verse 7 and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now, Elisha took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that. 
so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, you see what's going on here. They're at the Jordan. They get to the Jordan River, and Elijah takes off this mantle. Remember, he threw it on Elisha at Elisha's calling. Now he rolls this thing up, and he strikes the water, and the Jordan River parts. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, you know this Jordan River parting by miraculous means is kind of a theme that runs all through the Bible, right? Moses, he has the Red Sea parting. Joshua has the Jordan River parting, and the people walked over. Now we have it parting again so that they can walk over. And this is the first time now that Elisha acknowledges what's going on. He says to Elisha, what do you want me to do for you before I'm taken away? See, everybody knows what's going on, but Elisha has not mentioned anything to Elisha yet. And he's like, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you read your Bibles, you realize that there's a beautiful emphasis that's placed on the final blessing of somebody who God uses mightily before they go home to be with the Lord, right? That deathbed, so to speak, blessing. And Elijah says to Elisha, what can I do for you? And Elijah's desire is beautiful. He says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Brothers and sisters, you want to be God's inside man or woman? You need to dream God-sized dreams for your life. Dream God-sized dreams. When Elisha asks Elijah for a double portion of his spirit, Elisha was the biggest, baddest prophet around. Like, he was the man. I mean, the prophets of Baal, all this stuff that goes on. Elijah had a huge reputation. This man created a wake. He was a force to be reckoned with. And Elijah says to him, can I get a double portion of your spirit? Now, when you hear that, you might think, well, that's kind of a weird thing to say. He's like, like, I want to be like twice as powerful as you. The double portion was not, I want to be twice as strong as you. It has a different implication. If you've read your Bibles, the gift of the firstborn in a family who becomes the new head of the family gets a double portion of the inheritance. So really what Elisha is asking for, is like, I want to be the person who now takes care of the ministry that you've been taking care of. See, Elisha is really asking for, I actually want to be, when I was called, when Elijah put his mantle on me, I actually want to be that guy now. And he's really asking for the spiritual wherewithal, the spiritual currency to be able to live out who God called him to be. Now, that's why I say we need to dream God-sized dreams. Because I hope in your life, just like I hope in my life, that we are experiencing and living a life that is on the edge of what we feel ready for, what we feel equipped for, that we find ourselves kind of in deep waters with the Lord, that the Lord, because the Lord is looking for us to take these crazy steps of faith, but we kind of like playing it safe, don't we? See, Elisha is saying, I actually want to be who God sees me to be, but I don't really quite know that I'm that guy. And listen, 
We become God's inside man or woman when we're willing to be outside of our comfort zone, living into the life that God sees for us, but we're not quite sure we're ready to do. Elisha is willing, at the very least, to ask Elijah for this. He's willing. I love Elijah's response because in verse 10 he says, you have asked a hard thing. Why is it hard for Elijah? Because he knows he can't give it. It's not his to give. It's the Lord's work. And I love that. See, this is how you know Elijah is a great discipler or a great mentor because he realized what's theirs to do and what's God's to do. And a good discipler. Now, for those of you who are in discipleship ministry and would to God that all of us would be, we have to realize what our role is and what the Lord's role is. Our job is to be a vehicle for the Lord's will to be seen in someone else's life. And we don't hold all the cards. Our job is just to help facilitate people seeing what God sees in their life. I remember when I first met my pastor, John Henry, and I was just in love with this guy, and I just thought, man, this guy's amazing. And I said, will you disciple me? Because I've been in church long enough to know the phrase. And he said, well, nah. (laughs) So he said, He's like, how about we sit at the feet of Jesus together and we see what he's up to? Now, that's a great definition for discipleship, isn't it? Let's just sit at the feet of Jesus together and see what he's up to. See, what I didn't realize, actually, what I think I did realize is that he actually kind of knew what God was up to, and I didn't have a clue. And he helped me understand the rhythms of God, the rhythms of God's grace, the way his spirit was working. And as we sat at the feet of Jesus together, he began to show me what God was up to, help me to understand what God was up to. This reminds me, of course, of the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Speaking of dreaming God-sized dream like Elisha is here. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen to him who could do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think what that says is that our problem is that our vision is not too big it's too small now I want to speak for one second to those of you who are here who have yet to say yes to Jesus you can't even fathom how amazing it is to It's like, to say it's mind-blowing is not even fair. If you were to take the step today to say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to start to follow the Lord, I'm here to tell you that you will experience things that you never even could have fathomed was possible. Know how I can say that? Because every single day, God's blowing my mind. Every single day, something goes on that I realize, man, God is nuts. This is, it's amazing the stuff that goes on. It's amazing the way God works. And so if you're just checking Jesus out, you're wondering about, you know, this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing, I'm here to tell you, if you take that step even today and start following Jesus, it will absolutely, you will be like, I can't believe this. This is so extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Got to dream God-sized dream. Now, look at what happens. In verse 11, Elijah says, look, if you see me when I go, then you'll have that double portion. You will receive the inheritance of the ministry that I've been called to. Now, in verse 11, it says, then it happened 
as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elisha that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elisha that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elisha? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now, I don't know about you. You read verse 11, and it's like, huh? Like, you read, it's like, you would think that in the Bible, they would give us thousands of verses on this, but they give us one verse, right? They were talking, and all of a sudden, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. This is Elijah's translation from earth to heaven. Now, you say, okay, a chariot and a horse. you got to realize that in 850 B.C., a chariot and a horse was like the modern-day super stealth bomber atomic bomb. It was like the ultimate fighting machine. You might be like, really? Yeah, it's a long time ago. It's like if you had a horse with a guy on the back with a spear, you got some business done. This was like the top shelf military. But these aren't just any old horse and chariot. This is horses and chariots of fire and a whirlwind. And the idea of the whirlwind was not only like, when we think of whirlwind, we think of wind that's whirling. But this has got lightning and fire. This is like a big happening. And real quick, all of a sudden, this chariot swoops through. They get separated. Elisha is gone. And Elisha's like, What? He cries out, all of a sudden, Elijah's gone. And he tears his clothes, which was a sign of great remorse. When something was really bothered, they would rend their garments. So this is a big thing. Just what they knew was going to happen. Now it happens, and Elisha is beside himself. But notice, look at what happens. Verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the banks of the Jordan. Right? This whole thing happens, right? Elisha moves from ministry on earth to ministry in heaven. He goes from what we call the church militant to the church triumphant. He's been translated, and all of a sudden this all happens, and Elisha looks down, and his mantle's there. And what does Elisha do? Picks it up. Brothers and sisters, you need to pick it up. Pick it up. See, in front of each one of you, there is a mantle of some sort. There is a God's will to change the world through your life. And you need to reach down and pick that thing up. But I think for a lot of us, we see the mantle there and we're like, oh Lord, I hope someone else comes and picks it up. Jesus is real. Today, we got to witness the incredible story of the calling of Elisha. When God called Elisha, he went all in, burning up his livelihood in a sacrifice to God. Pastor Daniel asked the crucial question of you today. Have you burned the ships when it comes to following God, or have you kept an escape route open? Elisha didn't allow for escape in his life. God grew him and used him mightily in the world. 
Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will show us that the Lord is waiting for us to take the crazy steps of faith, but we keep playing it safe. What would happen if you said yes to the crazy thing the Lord is asking you to do? You become the inside man or woman when you go outside your comfort zone and start living the life God already sees. You know, that one you aren't sure you're ready for yet? We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Inside Man. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.